Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying this series almost as much as I've been enjoying my hair growing. Uh, some people were saying, wow, look at your hair. And I said, that means you haven't been here for a while, but uh, you're always welcome. And uh, it is what it is. And then someone said, oh, look at your oversized T-shirt. So you just don't get away with much in this church, especially when you stand on this stage. And uh, it, it, is, it is what it is. And uh, for those of you who are visiting online, we just want to say you are so welcome. In actual fact, those in the room, can we just welcome everyone online? Put your hands together for those online, our family who are either in isolation or unable to get here for whatever reason, or they're on holidays. Some I know are watching on a balcony, overseeing the sea. God bless them. And here we are. Soldiering on for Jesus. Amen? Fantastic. Well, we are going to continue our series called Church, A Place to Be. A Place to Be. And the purpose of this series, as I've said every week, really is to focus on the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church. I don't know if you've ever tried to take a photo on your phone and the subject matter may be out of focus, but all you've got to do is touch the subject that you want focused and, and the phone autocorrects. And what you want focused becomes focused. And we are touching and we are focusing on the purpose of the church because we realise that through this crazy last couple of years, the church and other areas of life has taken a hit. I'm sure all those in hospitality would say, yeah, our industry has taken a hit. And so we just want to focus on the church and remind us of the purpose of the church. And I want to say this, that the church is not perfect. You don't need to send me an email. You don't need to catch me after the service to say, I just want you to know that the church is not perfect. I know the church is not perfect because you are here. And because I am here, wherever there are people, there are problems. And so the church isn't perfect, but I do love the church and I believe it is God's plan. It's the only thing God is building on the earth today and it's the only thing He's coming back for and that's His church. And so in week one, we looked at church, a place to belong. Pastor Kath kicked it off with a place to belong. This should be a place that is open to everyone and Anyone, And if you are visiting today, whether it's online or in the room, and this is your first time, you are absolutely welcome. I don't know where you came from. I don't know your background. I don't know your likes or your dislikes. But I want you to know you are absolutely welcome in this place because church is a place where all people can belong. Can we put our hands together for those who are visiting online or in the room for the very first time today? You are welcome in this place. This must remain a place where people can belong. Then we spoke last week that church is a place not only to belong, but a place to believe. I've said this many times before, but when you want to make banana cake, it takes more than just bananas. In other words, there's more than one ingredient. And church to be church takes more than just one ingredient. It's not just a place to belong. It's a place where we believe, and we spoke about that last week. And today I want to talk about something, and I need your prayers because we're going to be talking about church, a place to behave. A place to behave. And I know even as I say that, some of you go into a cold sweat. Some of you think of sitting in your room for a period of time as you uh, miss 
behaving. And, and I'm not here to, to put a burden on you. I'm not here to bring condemnation, but I am here to hopefully bring wisdom and understanding to God's plan and purpose that He has for us and His church. Are you with me? Unfortunately, the word behave is a misunderstood word and often has a negative connotation. We tend to think in terms of behaving as to act right. In other words, you've got to do the right things. Or maybe it's to not do the wrong things. So when we think of behaving, we think of walking this tightrope that I've got to do the right things and as importantly, not do, whoa, the wrong things. Come to Jesus and walk this tightrope this tight and narrow path. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound so exciting and it doesn't sound inspiring. And so today, I really hopefully want to open our eyes to what it means to behave because I'm sick and tired of the church being known as a place for what it doesn't do. I want to be known as a place for what we do do. And yes, on Sunday morning, I said doo-doo. Not just for what we don't do. And, 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 misbehave, sorry, and, and behaving is not about rules and regulations. I, I want to give you a new way of understanding behaving. It's not about rules and regulations. For me, behaving is about a role you play, not rules you keep. I'm going to say that again. Behaving is about a role you play, not about the rules you keep. Our life is about being a pointer, a sign and an example. It's about us leading the way. So when we talk about behaving, think about us being an example. Think about us pointing people in the right direction, being a signpost. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9, it says this, now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, and, and, and this is my urge for us today, Life Adelaide, we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life you should remind your own business and work with your own hands or with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may be sorry may win the respect of outsiders so that you will not be dependent on anyone see Jesus came to give us a vital a vital role to play i want you to know that he came to give us a vital role to play it's much like someone who's been cast in a movie. They have a role to play. And you and I have been cast in the movie called Life. And we have been given a role to play by Jesus Himself. And for us, it's not about standing around hoping that we don't lose the part. But to grab this opportunity with both hands. We get one shot at life and we are here to make the most of it. We have one shot at this thing called life. 
And I would encourage you, Life Adelaide, to, to grab life by the scruff of the neck and make the most of every opportunity that we have. This thing called COVID will become a thing of the past. It'll be something that we manage. But in these last two years, we've had an incredible opportunity such as we've never had before to showcase the example of Jesus and to be a signpost to people. See, it's not just enough to be faithful. We wanna be a people who are filled with faith. It's not about the line we walk the water, yeah, the line we walk, it's about the life we live. Again, I do not believe that our Christian walk should be walked on a tightrope, afraid of every move that we make. Now, we have a life to live, and I want us to grab it with both hands. In other words, the gospel is not saying, Here's the standard, now live up to it. Instead, it's saying, Here's the standard, now let's live out of it. Here's the standard, let's live out of it. We are to live out the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, our focus should not be on doing good. Rather, our focus should be on Jesus. If we try and behave, we're going to miss the point because we become what we behold. I'll say that again. We become what we behold. And when we focus on the wrong thing, we end up doing it. How many of you have ever been driving the car and you've seen a car accident and you have to slow down? And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes you get distracted by the accident. And so you're driving slow, but instead of concentrating on where you're going, you're concentrating on what's happened. And in concentrating on the accident, you almost create an accident. How many know what I'm talking about? Please, that cannot only be me in this place. Is there anybody else in this place? When we focus on the wrong thing, we end up doing what we don't want to do. I remember talking to someone who wanted to quit smoking, which I think is a good thing if we're talking about your health getting better and, and saving some money. I don't believe that if you smoke, you're going to go to hell. That's what we grew up with in our generation. That's, that's not what I believe. But I do believe if you want to quit smoking, it's probably a good thing for your health. It's a good thing for your finances. And so I was encouraging this man to, to, to help him in the desire to quit smoking. And as I watched him over the few days and, and weeks and months, he kept coming to me and saying, oh, I want you to know, I, I'm, I'm soaking my focus. And, and all his focus on was smoking or more importantly, not smoking. And he, and he kept struggling He'd come to me every week, ah, oh, I blew it, ah, oh, I blew it. And I said, is it possible that your focus is all wrong? He says, what do you mean? I said, while you try and focus on not smoking, you're actually focusing on smoking. And why we focus on doing the right thing? And why we focus on not doing the wrong thing? Guess what we end up doing? How many of you have had the best intention? Today's gonna be the day where I do the right thing and I don't do the wrong thing. And you get to the end of the day and say, what happened? And, and I want you to know we're in good company because even Paul, the great apostle, the one who wrote much of the New Testament says, why is it that we do what we don't wanna do? And what we wanna do, we don't seem to do it. Oh, wretched man that I am. But then he said this, he said, ah, but praise be to God who gives us the victory not through our own efforts, not through behaving, but through Jesus Christ Himself. 
Our focus must be on Him because we become what we behold. And if our focus is on behaving or our focus is on not doing the wrong thing, we're going to miss the mark. And even if we end up doing the right thing because that's what we're focused on, we're going to do the right thing, then we become self-sufficient. And then we become self-righteous. And then we become like the Pharisees. It's like, I'm glad I'm not like that guy. I tithe. And Jesus had a lot to say about self-righteous people. So the goal must never be self-righteousness. The goal must not be for us to do good works. It's to miss the point. Our point, our, our, our focus should be on the one who's made it all possible. And His name is Jesus. Are you with me? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 6 says this. As a prisoner of the Lord, which I think is amazing. Paul, who spoke a lot about freedom in Christ, says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. He says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle and be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture because Paul fought for the freedom of the church. As the church was in its embryonic stages and religious people were trying to add to the gospel, Paul fought for the freedom. And yet as a freedom fighter, he said, I urge you as a prisoner of the Lord to live a life worthy of your calling. I want you to know, church, we are called by God to live a godly life here on planet earth. And so as a follower of Jesus, we have a vital role to play. And I want to highlight three of those vital roles this morning that will hopefully help us have a better, healthier understanding of what it means to truly behave and live a life worthy of the calling. Are you with me? First one is simply this. Our role is to make things beautiful. I want you to think of behaviour in terms of making things beautiful. Romans chapter 1, verse 10 says, For since the creation of God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Creation tells us a story of how big and how beautiful God is. Just yesterday, Kath and I were walking along the beach, and I don't know about you, but I love the beach. And yesterday was one of those stunning Adelaide days. It was just magnificent weather. The sea or the ocean was like glass. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. It was sitting at about 27 degrees. 
I mean, you cannot order a better day. It was just magnificent. It was beautiful. Who would agree with me that yesterday was a beautiful day in Adelaide? Who managed to get out into the sunshine and enjoy it? I did, my wife did, I know many others in this church did and we made the most of it. It was beautiful. Did I mention it was beautiful? It really was. And as we was walking along the beach, I saw some rubbish on the beach. And you know what it did? That clump of rubbish tarnished the beauty. It took the edge off just how beautiful and how magnificent this day was. It took the edge off God's creation. Now, that rubbish didn't just get there. I imagine that there was someone or a group of people that either accidentally or intentionally left it there. I'm going to be kind. I don't know. I, I wasn't there. But it tarnished the beauty. I don't know who they were. I don't know how many were there. I don't know if they did it intentionally or accidentally. But what I do know is God didn't put it there. Do you know God gets blamed for a lot of things that has nothing to do with Him? God's creation is beautiful. And the things that we see in this world today that aren't beautiful are caused by people. That rubbish that I came across was a people problem. It wasn't a God problem. It was something that man put there. People often ask me, if God's a God of love, why do bad things happen? And the answer is real simple, people. Bad things happen because of people. How can we ignore God as often as we do and then complain that bad things happen? If you do bad things, bad things are going to happen and we see that. Someone either intentionally or accidentally left the rubbish and it just left a little blight on the beauty of God. Now imagine if everyone did that. All of a sudden there's rubbish everywhere. And all of a sudden it starts to distract from the beauty of God. And, and so we saw this rubbish. And I just felt compelled just to pick it up. I got a thing about litter and rubbish. And, and I just wanted to pick it up. We carried it for a while and then I put it in the bin. And I want you to know, I didn't do that because I was a Christian. I didn't do that because I better do it, I'm a Christian. I didn't do it to say, look how good I am. I'm not telling you the story today to tell you how good I am. In actual fact, I think I do a great job of telling you just how bad I can be with all my mistakes. But I just felt compelled because it was a distraction on the beauty of this magnificent day. In actual fact, I remember a, a litter campaign way back in the day, and someone who's my age and maybe a bit older will remember this. There was a litter campaign in South Australia called KESAB. And it stood for Keep South Australia Behaving Well. <laughs> Keep South Australia on that tightrope of doing good things. No, it just stood for Keep South Australia Beautiful. 
pick up the rubbish. And, and I want to encourage you, as I want to encourage myself as I share these words, that when it comes to doing the things God wants us to do, think about it in terms of making things beautiful. Not doing the right thing. Not being a good little boy or a good little girl. But just keeping things beautiful. Because when we act the way we should, it makes God look good. And surely that should be our desire. To help people understand just how good God is. See, Jesus took our bad and He added Himself into the equation and things turned out beautiful. I'm so grateful for what Jesus did for me because He took my bad, He put Himself in the equation and my life has turned out beautiful. I'm so grateful for Jesus and all that He's done for me. And we are here to retell his story. We are not here just to stay out of trouble. In actual fact, we are here to get in the mess. We're here to get in the middle and to make messy things wonderful and to make messy things beautiful. How does that look for us in 2020? As I look around this room and I think about all those that are online today, I can only imagine that each and every one of us know what it is to be in an argument, a disagreement that's got ugly. And God wants to redeem ugliness. And we can redeem ugliness when we apply God's ways into the equation. And so if you've had a horrible, horrific, ugly argument, do you know how you can bring beauty into that? Do you know how you can make that situation that seems so horrible, beautiful again. Well, by apologising, yeah. talking, yeah. confessing your sins, yeah. forgiving one another. Yeah. All that's in the Bible. All that is what God has told us to do, not to be good boys and girls, yeah. but to bring beauty to relationships, right. to bring forgiveness to marriages. Yeah. So that kids can grow up in a home that understand that no matter how bad things are, they can be turned around for good when we appropriate God's ways. Our role is to make things beautiful. Secondly, our role is to make things better. Not only is our role to make things beautiful, it's also to make them better. See, Jesus not only made things beautiful, He made them better. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 says, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. My life is better because of Jesus. He took my broken, sinful life and turned it around for the good. And so as a church, we exist to make things better. Every Christmas in early December, we get together as a church and we have over 100 volunteers. And last December, we packed over 2,000 boxes that we call Christmas box. And the intentionality behind that is that we would make Christmas better for many families. And to see the smiles, to receive the thanks, to receive the feedback, 
knowing that we made people's lives just a little bit better in this crazy world in which we live brings the story of Jesus into the equation. Every Friday, we have a team that do our community barbecue. What's the purpose of that? Well, it's to make our community better. Our community is a, is a large, massive group of people. And, and to uh, think that we can reach all of them is beyond us. But we can help someone. We may not always be able to help everyone, but we can help someone. And so every Friday, we have a team that go into one of the parks in Salisbury and they make a sector of our community better because of their generosity. Are you with me? So question, would church be better, do you think, if we were consistent in our attendance? It's not about you've got to come to church, but I just think it would be better. I think our testimony would be better. BJ was telling me just this week, one of the teachers was saying to the class that the reason she doesn't go to church often is because of this, this, this. And by the time she finished it, what kind of message are you sending? I just think things would be better if Christians went to church regularly. I, I, would the church be better if we were consistent in our giving? In our serving, in our forgiving, in our Bible reading. I think one of the problems today in church is Christians don't read their Bible. Now, you'll never hear me say you should read your Bible as something you have to do legalistically imposed, but I just know it, it would be better if we did. I just know everything that we have in our heart to do would be better if people gave regularly. I know as was mentioned earlier, petrol prices are on the rise, but that should not affect our giving. If we were consistent in these things, I just think the church would be better. But it's when we stop doing those things and we start complaining. Now, now if the church is not perfect and we stop giving and we stop forgiving and we stop reading about, does it get better or worse? We just take a bad situation and make it worse. But if some of the things about church you don't like, and there are plenty of them, then the answer is not to withdraw, it's actually to get involved. Yeah, come on. I'm grateful for what I call a short rope that God has given me. I haven't seemed to get away with stuff that other people have been able to get away with. And I remember when I was a young man in church, and I didn't like prayer meetings, I thought prayer meetings were the most boring meetings to be in. And so as a result, I said, I'm not going. And honestly, I'll never forget the prompting of the Holy Spirit said, look at you. Boycotting a meeting because you don't like it. And it wasn't a guilt trip, but I felt the Holy Spirit remind me, do you think Jesus liked going on the cross? Do you think Jesus likes cleaning up after your mess that you make over and over and over again? And then I felt this was the kicker. Well, if you don't like it, why don't you make it better? If it's too quiet, why don't you add some noise? Because that was one of my biggest words. Like, why do we go there? We just stand there and no one says anything. 
So I said, I'm going to be a prayer meeting. I'm going to pray. So we, we, we went the next week and made it better. If you've got a complaint, don't use it to withdraw. Use it to get involved and make it better. If your connect group is boring, make it better. If your connect group has horrible food, make it better. Bring better food. You can't sit there, bring nothing, so there's no good food there. Bring some food. Make it better. Question. Would families be better if spouses were faithful? Cheat around, be faithful. Which one's better? That church, you're not allowed to sleep around. No, no, we we just want better. See what we put on the church? Oh, you're not allowed to do this. Oh, you're not allowed to touch a hot stove over. Yeah, we just, we can if you want. But I just want better for you. How are you viewing behavior? I dare say it's because of how we were raised, and I want to try and break some of that off you. It's one better. Yeah. Our kids, our mum and dad say, don't play in the middle of the road. Oh, they just want to spoil our fun. No, they want to keep you alive. <laughs> they just want better for you. Yeah. Party pooper, can't play on the road. Drugs, alcohol. Oh, once you've been a Christian, you can't do any of that. Well, that's not our heart. We just want better for you. When I think of the counseling and pastoral care that we have to do, and it goes back to money not being looked after properly, drunkenness, drugs, unforgiveness. We're going to speak into that, not to tell you what to do, but because we love you. And we want better for you. The church gets a really bad rap when we start speaking into people's lives because they say it's control and manipulation. And it can be. But just as it can be that, it could also be what I'm talking about today. We love you, and we just want you to do better. So would the family be better if the spouses were faithful? What about if kids helped around the house? Would it be better than mum or dad having to do all the cooking, cleaning, earning the money? Wouldn't it be better if the kids just took up some of their responsibilities? That's certainly what we instilled. What would be better? Wearing mum out? Wearing dad out? Or all playing our part? What's better? Would it be better if problems were addressed and people forgave each other? Would families be better? So if it be better, let's do the actions that make better. So if picking up a tea towel makes your family better, pick up the tea towel without breaking mum and dad's back over, what do I have to do that for? Just do it. Why? Because things get better. 
Our role is to make things beautiful. Our role is to make things better. And our role, number three, is to make things believable. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your what? Good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Doesn't say so that may see your own will, but your good deeds. See, when we show up on the scene, people should say it's different. Why? Because people can't see Jesus. We know that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Who's here on planet Earth are us, the church, his representatives. And people don't see Jesus, they see us. Just like when Jesus was on planet Earth, people didn't see the Father, they saw Jesus. And Jesus' mission was to show the world what the Father looked like. Our mission is to show the world what Jesus looks like. We need to make what you believe Believable to others. This is where our actions come in. I remember a a year, about a year and a half ago, we went to a local restaurant, went with our family. And as we were leaving, Jordan was ahead of us. And she opened the door and held it open because she saw an old man coming her way. And the old man proceeded to have what we thought was a heart attack. He went, oh, oh, oh. do you remember this? And we're like, what's going on? He was joking. He said, I, I, I'm shocked. And this is what he said, I can't believe a young person would hold a door open anymore. I haven't seen it. In a long, long time. And so he said something, and then Jordan said, Thank you. And it, oh, oh, he went, What's that about? She said, Thank you. Who knew? Who knew that we could make an impact and make a difference by holding a door open, <laughs> looking someone in the eye, and saying, Thank you. Now, I want you to know that moment was created because of years of conditioning. Because when they were very young, we had on our fridge the Rainbow Family Commandments. And the Rainbow Family Commandments were age-appropriate behaviours that we wanted our kids to have instilled. Because we knew that they were going to be ambassadors for Jesus. And these age-appropriate behaviours targeted areas that we felt were unhelpful to making things beautiful, making things better, and making things believable. And so one of our kids would stomp his feet, have a little tantrum. That doesn't go well when you're trying to convince people Jesus loves you. And since I've had Jesus in my life, I've had control, just... It's not very believable. 
when you're acting like everyone else is acting. And so one of our commandments was, thou shalt not stomp your feet. And every time the little foot stomper stomped his feet, I drag him to the kitchen, look at the fridge, said, what does number two say? Thou shalt not stomp their feet. What was that about? Control, manipulation? Or just trying to help our kids to live a life that's going to make other people's lives more beautiful. It's going to make it better and more believable. This man who Jordan held the door open for said, I can't believe it. And we're here to help people believe what they can't believe. That's our role. And it's not a time to shy away from. It's not a time to back off. It's a time to press in. And let's live a life that is worthy of our calling. Not something that's legalistically imposed. Not something that we have to do. This notion you don't have to go to church. Of course you don't have to go to church. Of course you don't. But if you play that card, we've missed the point. I don't have to apologise. Of course you don't. But if you play that card, it won't get better. Let's not abuse the freedom we have in Christ. Do we have to get advice? Do you have to ask pastors or leaders for it? Well, you don't have to. But it might just be a little bit better if you do. So the question is, do you want to make things more beautiful? Do you want to make things better? Do you want to make things more believable? See, we live in a culture and our role is to bring a counter culture. And this culture is all about swearing, drinking, selfishness. If we're going to make a difference, we have to do different. And so to think us swearing our head off to fit in so people feel like they belong, again, is to miss the mark. To drink to the point of getting drunk, to fit in is, again, to miss the mark. Jesus sat with sinners, but Jesus didn't sin with sinners. There's a difference. One's belonging, one's welcoming, the other's compromising. And I'm here to say, if you're anything like me, what I've shared today isn't easy to do. And you need help. And you need more than just my help. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. And maybe I've touched a nerve because maybe there's something in your life that you've just, you're struggling with. That's okay. Again, there's a big difference between struggling with something versus accepting it and saying it's okay. If you're struggling with your sin, that's good. If you've just settled in your sin, that's bad. Will you stand with me this morning? We're talking about the church. It's a place to belong. It's a place to believe. And it's a place to behave. And when I say behave, I'm talking about making things beautiful, making things better, and making things believable. I firmly believe that one of the reasons Teenagers get to the age of 17, 18 and 19 
and no longer want to go to church is because of mum and dad's example that they haven't prioritised church life. And if it's not a priority to us, it won't be relevant to them. Are you with me? And so right here in this place, I have not preached this to bring any condemnation. I know in a room full of this many people and everyone watching online, there are areas where we struggle in our doing and that's okay. And that's what we wanna bring to Jesus. Don't give up, give in. Don't give up, but give in to God and let Him come and help you in your area of weakness. And so right now, let's just close our eyes just for a moment. Maybe there's an area you just want help with. I'm just gonna ask, let's just raise our hands as a sign of surrender. And whatever it is that you want help in, we're gonna believe the Holy Spirit can come and help us in that area. Not that we may boast, not that we may show off, not that we might become religious, but that we might be a people that respond in order to make things beautiful, make them better and make them more believable. Holy Spirit, we thank You for this opportunity that we get to live life in 2022. All the writers of the Bible did not get this opportunity, but we did. You deemed it right and fitting that we be alive at this time. And we wanna represent You well. We wanna represent Your beauty. We wanna represent how You make things better. And we wanna make things more believable. But left to our own devices, Lord, it just doesn't seem to go that way. So right now we just surrender. We're not gonna give up, but we do give in to You. And say, so won't you empower us to overcome the areas of our life that are letting us down, but more importantly, distorting the view, distorting the story of who you are. Holy Spirit, won't you come and have your way in our lives and help us in this area. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.